Truth News Network. In 1970, Ray Davies wrote, Girls will be boys and boys will be girls. It's a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world. Now I ask you, who would have ever thought of Ray Davies as a prophet? Well, that's a discussion worth having a beer over. So, pardon the expression, some straight talk. You're in luck. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And straight talk is what we do. And your Latter-day Prophet is Dan Newman. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Oh my gosh, that dog-faced pony soldier keeps coming around. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday at TNN Live. And yes, that lion dog face, whatever, whatever. I don't even know where Joe Biden finds us saying like that. And I've heard him repeat it two or three times. Maybe he just needs to find somebody that can tell him what it means. I don't, I, I can't tell him what it means. A lying dog face pony soldier. If that is the worst thing we've got to figure out today, We've got a good day ahead of us, don't you agree? Well, thanks for being here. It's always good to share a day with you. We have so much to share with you today. A lot of moving parts, not just in the nation, but around the world. And our president brought one of the other big world leaders to the United States yesterday, Xi Jinping, the president of communist China. And of course, they're here for a get-together with some of the greatest CEOs and owners of the largest American companies, they're getting together today with Xi Jinping, and he's going to tell them why they need to move their operations over to China. And don't think for a second that's not what he's going to do. That's what he's here for. China's economy is in the tank. Now, we don't get the exact numbers, but our economists can look at import-export, look at the transactions that happen on overseas operations that involve China, and they can get a good idea when things are good and even when things are bad. So what do you do if you're a big-shot politician? If it's bad in your country, you want to go steal some business from another country. Now, if you're Xi Jinping and you're trying to figure out where to go and who to go after to get money and business, where are you going to go? Well, Xi Jinping, he's got Joe Biden blackmailed up against the wall. I'll just call old Joe and tell him I want to put a meeting together in San Francisco. Make it, you know, easy for me because I don't want to fly across the Pacific Ocean and then fly across the United States to get to Washington, D.C. So we'll save a little of our time and we'll just get him to meet us in San Francisco. And he called Joe and Joe said, I'm all in, Mr. President. I'll see you out there to kick this thing off. Come convince some of these people over here that run these big businesses that I, Joe Biden, don't like anyway. Get them to relocate to China. Maybe, if not all of their operations, at least the part where they can save a bunch of money by paying kids 10 cents an hour to do work for you. Am I exaggerating? I might be. But you know what's sad? That may be exactly how it happened and what's going on out in the left coast today. I don't see it getting any better anytime soon either. Do you? Well, well, well. We're going to go to Israel. 
We're going to go to China. We're going to go to Europe and, of course, the United States. We've got much to cover today. Sit tight. We uh, we like all kinds of music, and we know everybody's got different tastes, so every once in a while, we'll throw in something like that. By the way, that's called Black Book. How in the heck they named a song, how they name any song that doesn't have any lyrics is beyond me. But you know what? They can do whatever they want to do. You can, too. 
We just got to make sure the things we want to do are right in line with the things that are best for us and others in our families and in our uh, wide circles of influence. We got to get on the same page. You know what? If we don't agree with everything, if we don't agree with everybody, that's okay. What we've got to do, however, is we have to examine everything and come up with basis to finalize our thoughts on any and every issue based upon the facts instead of just based upon our feelings. And speaking of facts instead of feelings, there's a bunch of stuff going on, things that are happening among individual groups, among nations, among factions in every nation. And it it just seems to me like almost every day we get more divided, more groups, more people wanting recognition, demanding something from some other group. Everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody wants to control everybody else. That's not actually factual, but it certainly seems that way most of the time. And sadly, the mindset that in contentious times like we're seeing across the globe now, people think the only way they can ever subsist and get a good place in life where they're comfortable is to diminish anybody and everybody that thinks differently than they do. That's called a zero-sum game. There's only one winner. Listen, that's not factual. It's not about winning and losing. It's about living to the maximum, the fullest extent of positivism in your life that you want. And commit yourselves to do the right things to get there. And don't ever let anybody talk you out of it. If you know, if you've researched, if you've thought through, if you've prayed, and you come back with that, whatever that is, is the way you need to go, just do it. My goodness, that old term, fly by the seat of your pants. You know what that means. Just whatever you think, go get it. Go do it, whatever it is. Maybe sometimes people get a little ahead of reasoning when they go down that road in that direction and they have a hiccup here and there. But you know what? Hiccups sometimes are good for us because they change our mind about a lot of things. You don't want to make a bad choice and get going down that road and you find out somewhere along the road you made a bad choice and you're restricted or you're locked in and you can't change course. Thankfully, we live in America where everybody has the right to pursue their own dreams, even when the dreams change. So when you're tempted to worry and fret and get despondent about what's going on in your world, change your course. Think it through. Be careful this time, more careful than you were last time when it turned out to be a bad choice. And make the right choice. And then go all in. You really want to lose if you're trying. You don't want to lose because you don't try. When you give something, even if it's a relationship with a spouse, a friend, a boss, a neighbor, if you go all in and you find out later that was a bad choice, you can back out, but at least you gave it your best while you were doing it. Making mistakes is part of being human. I don't know about you, but I've made one or two or three of those in my life. (laughs) And most of the time, they're not fun. 
but they're always good if we learn from them. So let's take a quick start gander this morning at the latest coming over from the Middle East. The Israeli military is continuing today to target Hamas leadership. Now they're up in the northern part of Gaza. They've captured several of the terrorist group's key bases in northern Gaza. However, there remain up to 238 Hamas hostages in Gaza. Ten of them are thought to be Americans. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry claims more than 11,000 Gazans have been killed in the fighting, though they don't distinguish between Palestinian civilians and Hamas terrorists. And believe me, that's not the same thing. A Palestinian civilian and a Hamas terrorist are vastly different. And now after weeks of gridlock, the United Nations Security Council voted to call for a days-long humanitarian pause in fighting. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? The UN is out there, and they're going to beg these terrorists for a days-long humanitarian pause in fighting. Like, that's going to change anything, even if it would happen. And it's not going to happen. Hamas is not going to agree to a ceasefire. And of course, Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, makes it very clear. We're going to do our regular four-hour, just a little pause in the middle of each day that we've been doing from the beginning because we want to do that. But a ceasefire, that would do nothing but let the terrorists reload and get even tougher on our people, doing more evil things to our people. We're not going down that road. So the Israeli Defense Forces, this didn't surprise me, at least to the extent of what they found, but they uncovered information about hostages taken by Hamas on a laptop that they found inside the Al-Shifta hospital yesterday. Israelis say the laptop had photos and videos taken of hostages after that 7th of October massacre, Israeli forces say evidence indicates Hamas was using Al-Shifa Hospital as a base of operations within the last few days. That was their phrase. At the end of the day, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conrica said, Hamas aren't here because they saw we were coming. This is probably what they were forced to leave behind. Our assessment is there's much, much more. Fox News foreign correspondent Trey Yings and cameraman Yaniv Tuggerman visited the hospital with Israeli special forces early yesterday. Israel says Hamas took 239 hostages October 7th, though the U.S. has said there's no way to know how many of those are still alive and for sure how many of them are Americans. Now, if you're like me, when I look at our rearview mirror, in previous situations like this. The worst one ever was American citizens being held hostage in Tehran, Iran, in the U.S. Embassy for longer than a year. And a bunch of them, I don't remember the number, but it's close to 100 Americans were held there for 12 months. Now, why would any American president allow that to happen? Well, I'll tell you who it happened under, and you'll understand former President Jimmy Carter. He let those people rot in that embassy for more than a year, trying to negotiate his way out 
of a bad situation. But you know what? It's kind of like this president, Joe Biden. Very similar circumstances. The enemy doesn't think, didn't think Jimmy Carter was going to do anything to them, so they weren't afraid of him. The Hamas leadership and Iran, who is really calling all the shots on this thing, they know Joe Biden's not going to do anything, so they're not afraid of him. Nothing's happening. You wouldn't see this happening if Donald Trump was president. How do we know that? Look at what he did that stopped Iran the first time they tried to see how committed to peace on earth he was. He killed their number one general for the process that ended up killing an American journalist. They went after Soleimani and killed him and told Iran if they retaliated or did anything else, it was going to be worse. They stopped for the rest of Trump's term in office. Joe Biden, they don't give a rip about him. They don't. They don't care what he thinks. Now, this hospital is becoming a really big deal. Really, really big deal. And so we got a little inside story about what Israel discovered when they raided the Al-Shifa hospital. Listen in. As the ground war intensified in Gaza this week, Israeli troops moved in to clear out Hamas terrorists from the Al-Shifa hospital. What they found there went way beyond medical equipment. They discovered weapons and munitions for launching attacks against Israelis. Joining us with more is columnist, author, political advisor, and former Pentagon official Dan Senor. He's co-author of the new book, The Genius of Israel. Dan, it's good to have you in the studio with us. Great to be with you. Quick question for you on this, because the Geneva Convention, Article 18, says hospitals cannot be attacked only if they're being used to uh, launch rockets. So. Were they being used to launch rockets here, Al-Shifa? Absolutely. We know that they kept armaments in Al-Shifa. They know that senior commandos and senior leadership of Hamas, who have been plotting and planning and managing the invasion of Israel, were doing it from underneath Al-Shifa. And we know at various times they've been launching armaments from Al-Shifa. So Israel's put in this impossible situation, which is everyone seems to say Israel has a right to self-defense. Certainly many governments in the West say Israel has a right to self-defense. Well, self-defense means getting rid of the enemy. That's the only way Israel can defend itself if it gets rid of this genocidal actor on its border. And that genocidal actor is purposely co-locating in a hospital. And so Israel has to decide, we have to take out the enemy to defend ourselves against this genocidal attempt, which means you know, dealing with this hospital where the, where the commanders of the war against Israel are running their operation. And even the Biden administration has said that. If you look at the briefings in recent days from administration officials, they say, look, we know what Al-Shifa Hospital has been used as. It's purposely being used as a headquarters to wage this war against Israel. And they took care to get the people out of there. Yeah, they, they worked on getting people out of there, and they tried to get fuel to the, to the hospital. And the leaders of the hospital were told by Hamas, don't accept the fuel. Don't accept the fuel from the Israelis because they did not want Israel to get a quote-unquote PR win for giving fuel to the hospital. Israel's not looking for a PR win. Israel is actually looking to fight this war in, in as humanitarian a way as possible. Save as many lives as possible. Exactly. But Hamas didn't seem to care about it. No, because Hamas, for Hamas, these people's lives are just chess, you know, pieces on a chessboard. The irony is that, that these Hamas commanders are sending the rank and file of the Palestinian people in Gaza to participate in some kind of death cult in their attacks on Israel while they themselves live in this very comfortable, you know, 
areas and, and, and villas and, and live in you know, very affluent surroundings. Well, under your book, The Genius of Israel, you mentioned, and I've read it, it's very good, by Thank the way. Thank you. I, I read it, and, and in it you talk about Israelis being ranked by the United Nations as the fourth happiest people on earth. Out yeah. of the 150 countries, they're right. the fourth happiest. Right. Is that still continuing despite Gaza and everything that's going on October 7th? Israel has been, I say it's the nicest thing the United Nations has ever said about Israel. They are the fourth happiest people in the world. They, they, over the last number of years, they've been among the top 10 out of 150 countries. So even while Israel has been dealing with all this stress, violence, terrorism, people wanting to wipe them off the map, surrounded by enemies in a state of war since its founding, with all domestic political division, even with all that tension, Israelis are still happy. Now, what does it mean that they're happy? What we argue in our book is it's happiness is, is almost the wrong word. It's about life satisfaction. It's about living with purpose. It's about living with meaning. That's where joy and reward in life comes from. And what we explain in our book is how Israelis manage to live with purpose. Why do they live with purpose? Why do they feel a connection to each other, to their families, to their community, and to their country, and to their country's role in the world? How does that affect their, their overall attitude towards life? And I think it affects it in a very positive way, even when they're dealing with tragedy. What I find interesting is you mentioned even secular Jews who would never go to synagogue, they're staying at home on Shabbat right. and enjoying a Sabbath meal with their families. Yeah, so in Israel, as we lay out, lay out in the book, most Israeli Jews, whether they're very religious or very secular, every Friday night, the country basically shuts down and you've been there, you've experienced it, and they spend time with their family, multiple generations, usually two, three, sometimes four generations, getting together every Friday night for a traditional meal. And what does that do? It does a few things. One, it keeps families together across generations, young people interacting with older people, older people interacting with younger people on a regular basis so they don't feel isolated, intergenerational connection. Two, they're experiencing a ritual that's important to their family that they know the whole country is sharing at the same time. We call the chapter of that, uh, it's, it's one of my two favorite chapters in the book, we call that chapter Thanksgiving every week. In Israel, there's a Thanksgiving dinner every week. And you feel that the whole country is experiencing it. I feel in the United States, we've lost a lot of our national rituals where we've, we're doing something that we feel that the whole country is experiencing at the same time. It gives you a, con a connection to everyone in the country. That's what the Friday night Shabbat dinner is about in Israel. It's about the resilience of Israel, and you're seeing the resilience right now, and the book explains where the resilience comes from. Okay, the book is The Genius of Israel, an example to us all, an interesting read. Learn more about it and America's best friends in the Middle East. Dan Senor, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I used to get tired of newscasts that just kept recycling the same news every day. Maybe a little bit different, but they basically they go back and summarize why and how we got to that point that particular day. And then they'll give us the latest tidbits. And then they go back and recap again. I get tired of that. I want to know what's going on right now today. Please don't insult my integrity and my intelligence by making it seem like I'm too stupid to realize this started in the wee hours of the morning, Saturday, October 7. I got that. You don't have to go back and tell me that 1,400 Israelis were slaughtered that day by Hamas in their first invasion into Israel. I've got that. Just give me the latest. Trust me to find out where it was yesterday and tie the two yesterday and today together. I get that. Speaking of that, have you heard anybody talk about where the American people are 
regarding Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. I haven't heard any pollsters coming out of late sharing that information. Well, we did a little deep dive. We found out for you, Americans are breaking with Joe's handling of this Israel-Hamas war. A majority of us think Israel should call for a ceasefire. That's also what Americans seem to think. Now, we know, we understand, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said over and over and over again, if we did a ceasefire, that would do nothing but give Hamas a chance to retool, re-weaponize, and change their plans, tweak them or whatever they want to do so they can continue to slaughter Israeli people. We're not going to do a ceasefire. But still, some Americans think that's what they need to do. 32% of us believe the U.S. should support Israel. That's a nine-point drop from a October 12th through 13th Reuters poll. More Americans, 43%, are opposed to sending further weapons to Israel than those who are in favor of sending them more. That's about 31%. Since Hamash launched this terrorist attack, October 7th, Biden and his administration have committed the U.S.'s support to Israel during their war against the terrorist organization, but they've waffled. Joe is waffled quite a bit back and forth. In the middle of all the calls for a ceasefire, including some from within Biden's own party, White House National Security spokesperson John Kirby has repeatedly said the administration thinks that a ceasefire would only benefit Hamas. So which is it? (laughs) I mean, which is it? It can't be both. 68% of Americans think Israel should call for a ceasefire and try to negotiate with Hamas. Now, those 68% of Americans that think that, they really aren't smart enough to understand we don't negotiate with terrorists. I'm talking about we, the United States of America. So do you think we're a place where we don't deal with frequent terrorist attacks here? It's almost an everyday thing in Israel. I was with a group of 55 people in February in Israel, and we were driving, actually it was a day where we went to the Jordan River. You remember the Jordan River? Biblically, that's where Jesus was baptized. He asked John the baptize, John the Baptist to baptize him there. I was baptized in February in the Jordan River. But then we went south to go down to the Dead Sea, and we edged into a part of Gaza. Now, I didn't see it. Thank God it didn't happen while we were there that day. But while we were in Israel, there were some attacks that happened, and it was kind of like a, oh, well, they're going to do what they're going to do thing. The Israeli people, many of them didn't even blink. They get accustomed to it. We can't make our decisions based on what we experience in Israel. Why? Because we're not there. We don't live there. We don't know what's going on or how it impacts people, civilians, military people alike. We don't know that, but they do. So in a case like this, I think what we need to do is just be quiet and listen and learn to what the leaders in Israel, who are getting pretty darn good after centuries of dealing with this kind of stuff, watch what they do 
and listen to their explanations and learn. 68% of Americans believe Israel should call for a ceasefire. It ain't going to happen. And those same 68% want Israel to negotiate with Hamas. Hamas is not negotiating. And anyway, half of the Republicans and about three-quarters of Democrats think Israel should call for that ceasefire. Once again, it ain't going to happen. Biden's called, and he's getting calls from within his own party, the Muslim community, and from members of his administration to back a ceasefire. The National Muslim Democrat Council threatened to keep the Muslim community's vote from Joe if he failed to call for a ceasefire by the October 31st date. Well, he lost all those votes then, right? It's hard in war with so many moving parts, so many people with their thumbs involved in it. Everybody wants to say their two cents, and they think whatever they think should be done, that's what's got to be done. And if you don't do it right, and of course they say their way of doing it is right, then you're evil and we got to get rid of you. In wartime, if you're realistic about it, that mindset goes away because we don't know. You and I don't have a clue. We've never been through a war between Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah and Syrian terrorists and the Houthi rebels. Israel goes through it all the time. We heard and got some, I guess, short little stories about the horrors of the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks. That video that every member of Congress was invited to take a look at, several of the people that came out of that, they were shaken to their toes. They could not believe how much barbarism took place. The Israeli embassy in D.C. invited a group of journalists and religious leaders to relive the October 7 terrorist attacks in Israel through a compilation of footage that was put together by the military. 46 minutes of film showed a variety of atrocities from the beheaded Israeli military members, burned bodies of children, video of terrorists dragging hostages into Gaza, all while cheering and praising Allah. Let history be my witness that this was the first man I killed, the first one, a Jew. One terrorist was yelling in that video. 46 minutes. The Israeli embassy in D.C. hosted a screening on Monday showing a composed film of body cam footage, CCTV cameras, videos on social media, and audio recordings that captured just a small fraction of the terror unleashed on the Jewish state. Journalists were told by embassy officials not to film or record during the screening out of respect for the victim's family since many have not seen the footage themselves. It opened with Hamas terrorists shooting Israelis in their cars before dragging their bodies out and going through their belongings. One terrorist cheered as he ran around filming all of the bodies on the side of the road, kicking several in the head. The first sign of distress from the screenings audience, many of whom included local and national religious leaders, came after one terrorist took a garden hoe 
and repeatedly hacked at a man's neck while he was still alive until the head had been removed from the body. Another clip later showed a terrorist playing with the burned, severed head of another victim. A recorded call between Hamas officials revealed them instructing the terrorist to bring back the body of a dead Israeli soldier to Gaza so the people can play with it. That's on the film. Eliab Benjamin, the deputy head of mission of the Israeli embassy, told attendees that the footage they were looking at was intended to make a person feel sick and to be repulsed. And he argued that Israel's war with Hamas was not a religious crusade, but a fight for civilization. He made a statement that I totally 100% agree with. Quote, Israel should not be apologizing for anything they are doing. This is not a religious war, he said. This is a war against those who don't believe in civilization. That's a pretty deep statement. I'll tell you how deep and wide the footage was. It showed 138 victims killed by Hamas, less than 10% of the total killed that day, October 7th. It showed pictures of babies with their heads bashed in, a child who appeared to have its head mostly removed and body set on fire, a young girl in a Mickey Mouse nightshirt who had been riddled with bullets. One of the more graphic parts of the film is when a father rushes his two boys, both in their preteens, out of their beds and drags them to the bomb shelter outside the house in nothing but their underwear. Hamas terrorists entered the courtyard, threw a grenade inside the shelter, killing the father who fell to the ground. His son stepped out, blood running down their backs and legs, some of it theirs, some of it their dad. The terrorists dragged them into the house where one of the boys cried for his father as a Hamas fighter rummaged through a refrigerator. Abba, which is father, Abba, the little boy cried. He's dead. His brother tried to help him clean shrapnel from his back saying, yes, he's dead, and I think we are going to die. The film also captured a different but horrifying interaction between a father and his son who was a Hamas terrorist. The son called his dad, I told you about this one, and told him to check on WhatsApp to, quote, see how many I killed with my bare hands, Dad. Your son killed the Jews. Dad, I'm talking from a Jewish woman's phone. I killed her and her husband with my bare hands. Look at WhatsApp. See how I killed them, he said. His father responded repeatedly saying, Allah is great. The son then demanded to talk to mom, who could be heard crying in the background. Mom, your son's a hero, the terrorist said. The film also contained footage of that music festival, the Nova Music Festival, showing hundreds of burned-out cars, many with their passengers still inside. In one field, several severely burnt bodies were frozen in a fetal or crawling position as they tried to escape the terrorist. A couple of minutes into the footage, it showed a young woman whose pants and underwear had been removed and her legs contorted into an unnatural position. 
The footage was recorded on a family member's phone who could be heard crying in the background. First responders in the festival frantically looked for any survivors calling out, is anyone alive? Give us a sign of life. Most of those attendees had their faces covered, many crying openly when the film ended. Others sat in silence, stunned by what they saw. One man got down on the ground and cried as a pastor led the rest in prayer over the victims in Israel. Many of the pictures and videos in the film showed Israelis being killed in their beds, in their kitchens, in the early hours of that Saturday morning. Embassy officials reiterated to the audience that they should show the footage to give the world an opportunity to see how these families Sabbath day began and ended in terror. Sometimes you got to face facts. It's hard to believe this kind of barbarism exists on planet Earth anywhere, anywhere on the planet. But it does, and it's happening today. Don't say something like this could never happen in the United States of America. I promise you, all of the Israeli people that were attacked or looked in later and saw these atrocities, very few of them have ever seen anything like this happen to Jewish people. This is the greatest tragedy loss of Israeli lives since World War II and the Holocaust. You think that all changes your life? You're at a restaurant just after a meal. The bill comes. Sir, here's your bill. Oh my gosh, it's a whopping amount. <gasps> you pass it on to the next person. He. He passes it on. He? And on. We. Nobody likes unpleasant surprises. Well, why should you? With the new Hutz Delight Meals, you won't get any surprises in your bill. Just pure value. Enjoy your favorites every day, from pizzas, pastas, to sides and drinks. From as low as 14 ringgit per person. Available for dine-in only. At Akio, we've been making the best in mobile phones for over 20 years. How did we get there? By putting ringtones in every commercial that make you think your phone is ringing. Whether you have a new phone, an old phone, or just leave it on vibrate, we make sure you always hear your phone in our commercials. It's our way of saying, we hear you. So don't be silenced when opportunity calls, pick it up. It's for you. Akio Mobile amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify.
you're like me, I'm one American that is really curiously watching responses about all this stuff that's happening over in Israel and Gaza and who's doing what, why, what's happening in the aftermath, what are the people, the citizens of the world over there, what are they doing, what are they thinking. Meanwhile, over here on this side of the pond, there's a lot of stupidity that's being illustrated. Pro-Palestinian protesters, yesterday and last night, they clash with police outside the Democrat National Committee's office. And some arrests were made. Several have been made arrests outside the DNC offices in Washington where pro-Palestinian protesters violently clashed with cops on Wednesday. U.S. Capitol Police said they were making arrest at a pro-Palestinian protest in Southeast D.C. This is coming from NBC out of Washington. The protesters gathered outside of the headquarters just south of the Capitol before authorities said a couple of dozen demonstrators got into a shoving match with officers. Police then pulled out the pepper spray, pushed back on protesters, trying to move them a block away from the building. Members of the DNC were obviously evacuated by then. People have also been asked to avoid the area all day today, Thursday. Right now, our officers are working to keep back approximately 150 people who are illegally and violently protesting in the area of Canal Street and Ivy Street. That came from one policeman. It remains unclear as to what sparked the violence and if they were protesting a particular event. Was just evacuated from the DNC after pro-terrorist anti-Israel protesters grew violent, pepper-spraying police officers attempting to break into the building. Thankful to the police officers who stopped them and for helping me and my colleagues get out of safety. That was spoken by Representative Brad Sherman, a Democrat from California. Apparently, those pro-Hamas demonstrators want Republicans to prevail in the next congressional election, he added. And I'm giving you that verbiage because I want to play for you in just a second. Dave Rubin pointed out that brain surgeon that came out of the Biden administration, Jen Psaki, former White House press secretary, She was on the show, her show on MSDNC, and I want you to listen in just a moment to the stupidity that comes out of their mouths. Journalist Dave Weigel said that these protesters in D.C. only blocked the building entrance, and they didn't try to storm the building. So what the heck is that about? Look, these are junior high terrorists, if that's what they're doing. And I'm not saying I want them to amp it up or whatever. Let me tell you something that has been documented that's going on. And we've got stories later in the show today that will verify this. Here in the United States, much, if not most, of this demonstration and terrorism that's happening in the name of support of the Palestinian people, it's being put together purposely and paid for. I'm going to give you the names of the people that it's, it's been confirmed are paying for this to happen. These people like this group in Washington, D.C., they don't have a clue 
They were just told, hey, you want to make a couple of hundred bucks tonight? Put this paraphernalia on and go out and y'all get together and come up with a way to storm the DNC. We've got to get the Democrat Party scared to death of us. Sean Caston said this, you have the constitutional right to peaceably assemble in protest, but blocking all entries to a building with multiple members of Congress in it, protected by Capitol Police officers who have lived through January 6th, is putting you and other innocent people at risk. Later, he said, I'm grateful for the U.S. Capitol Police's professionalism and that all were safely evacuated. I'm also keenly aware it could have been much worse. Americans have a right to assemble and protest, but please do so at a safe distance and respect local police orders. So everybody on the left, they're looking at this. Now, put all of this in the context of what we're living in right now in the United States of America. You have one of the best presidents in American history. They are trying to manipulate their government, the Biden administration, top to bottom, Department of Justice, FBI, any way anybody they can use to keep Trump from even being able to run for election as president. And they're using resources to do so that you and I pay for. And that's all happening illegally. In a little bit, you're going to hear about one particular back and forth between Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who appeared before Congress yesterday, along with Christopher Ray and um, Becerra, Javier Becerra, who's head of the DHH, Department of Health and Human Services. You're going to hear from them, and they're all playing nicey. They're all in for everything that's happening in the Biden administration. And it's like it's one big party. Now, I want you to listen to Jen Psaki and this person that she is talking to about what's happening with the Palestinians. It's interesting when you know some facts, when you hear somebody that claims to be a real journalist stretching the truth a little bit. I think when people hear this, they're like, wait, what? Now, once again, we return to MSNBC and Jen Psaki. Here she has Karen Dunn talking about how it's uh, white supremacists at those pro-Hamas rallies. I did not know that. I just want to start with, because I think when people hear this, they're like, wait, what? Why are white supremacists showing up at these pro-Palestinian rallies? What do they want out of this? Well, Overall, Jen, and thanks for having me, uh, what they want is they want an all-white ethnostate in North America. And as crazy as that sounds, that's actually an articulated goal of the neo-Nazi and white supremacist movement in the U.S. And one of the things that helps them rally the troops uh, is anti-Semitism. So now in the U.S. we're experiencing a massive uptick in anti-Semitism. Incidents are up something like 388 percent. And the white supremacists, neo-Nazi groups see an opportunity to advance some of the same themes and the same anti-Semitic tropes that they've been plugging away at for years. 
I don't know what she is talking about. I mean, I understand that she's making up a story that there are white supremacists at the pro-Hamas rallies, but we've looked at a lot of the videos. We couldn't find any neo-Nazis there. Uh, if you can find neo-Nazis hanging out with the brown Arab people screaming, kill the Jews, generally, generally speaking, neo-Nazis, let's say, white supremacists who want white people to reign supreme, uh, they don't hang out with a lot of brown people People who many of whom are illegal in the country that would be considered and that yeah you know I was doing the math earlier it's a little confusing so there's literally no evidence of that but you can see exactly what they want the brainwashed non-playable characters who watch MSNBC to think oh my god it's not the brown people who are screaming from the river to the sea and Hitler is great and kill all the Jews it's not those guys are the bad guys it's the white people who are with them I would laugh at all of that. When I heard Saki the first time I was reviewing this last night, I was looking for some wisdom that's coming from those mainstream media outlets. And of course, that's a faux pas to even think Jen Saki would bring any real information or facts. But isn't that typical of the left? Brown people, people from the Middle East, are not white people. And so white supremacists, I've been around some white supremacy in South Louisiana when I was much younger. And you know very quickly when you find out who they are, what they believe and what they think. They don't like, they will not associate with, they despise and hate anybody that is not pale white let alone brown. Those are the people that white supremacists make their commitments to destroy. And it's always been that way. Do you think Adolf Hitler, do you think he would have been out there recruiting Palestinians <laughs> to go to war to slaughter Jews? Yeah, they had that one thing, that one thing in common. They hated Jews. But remember this. Hitler didn't just hate Jews. He hated anybody and everybody that wasn't Nazi. It wasn't good enough to just be a German. You had to be a Nazi or you were unacceptable. That's how white you had to be. And on MSNBC, a real show, if you call it a show, they're trying to reconcile and make people that are watching and listening believe that white supremacists are running these terror activities, these demonstrations in the United States. The white supremacists are joining forces with the brown-skinned Palestinians. That ain't ever happened, and it ain't gonna happen. So what is it? It's symbolism over substance. They want, they demand, they expect. There's some producer at MSNBC when they do their morning get-together and figure out what they're going to cover that day, somebody says, we've got to find a way to link these MAGA white supremacists, the Donald Trump sycophants. We've got to link them to anybody and everybody that's doing something 
that is anti-Palestinian or could be painted to be that. So why? What do you think about doing this and saying this? That's Jen Psaki. Oh, Jen, what a great idea. Can you sell that on your show? Yeah, I'll get Karen to come in here and we can make it resonate around the world. And of course, people over there in that side of the pond, they've lived through all of this. They know the facts. They've seen it again and again and again. And it's not brown against white. It's brown against Jews, period. And yet this morning, there are people that are telling the story of what Jen Psaki presented on her show, claiming we've got it figured out. Remember I told you later in the show, I'm going to tell you specifically how this is all being funded and who's doing it. And I'm going to tell you right now, you think, oh, we know George Soros is doing it. Uh-uh. I'm not going to tell you anymore. you got to hang in. So the terrorist in the Middle East, So far, we hear pretty much nothing happening, but in Gaza, of course, going across into Israel several times, killing people. Well, Israeli police overnight confirmed that three terrorist gunmen were killed in Jerusalem, where I spent a lot of time in February. It was a failed attack in Jerusalem. Three very heavily armed terrorist gunmen who attacked a checkpoint on the outskirts of Jerusalem, wounding six security forces were killed as Israeli peace fended them off. The attackers carried pistols, axes, enough ammunition for a major attack or a massacre in Israel. That comes from National Police Chief Kobe Shabati. The wounded members of the security services suffered gunshot wounds, including one who was critically injured. And they said the EMS Megan David Adam in a statement adding two more were likely wounded. The attack on a checkpoint guarding road tunnel linking the West Bank and Jerusalem came on the 41st day of the war between Israel and Gaza Bas Hamas terrorists and their supporters. Jerusalem, the holiest city on the planet to the Jewish people. And these guys, they're committed to do anything and everything to diminish Jewish people in every way. And many of you that may not be followers or you don't come here often, you probably don't understand what I just told you and what it means. I saw very early on in this cartoons that Arab people around the world are seeing These cartoons are put together, and you know how kids are. They like comics. They like cartoons. And, of course, they're innocent, so they're going to watch and listen and see what the cartoon characters are saying and doing and talking about. And, folks, it turned my stomach. The particular cartoon show that I saw, Sean Hannity, he presented a little bit of it on one of his shows right after the October 7th debacle happened. And I went and found some more. They do it based on ages, just like they do in the United States. Cartoons got to fit this sector. A little bit older, you move on to this kind of comic, et cetera, on up the line. The particular ones that I looked at were for four through seven-year-old kids, Arab kids. 
What did it present? Jews were evil people. And it taught these four to seven-year-old kids not just that Israelis are bad people, but it taught them how to kill the bad people. Now, think about what that does to a family. Think about what it does to somebody's personal life, thinking, thought process, education. I mean, nothing exists in a vacuum. It's never all alone. It's layer after layer after layer of information that's digested. And try as we might, we can't keep all that input going into a kid's mind and heart. We can't make it just disappear or go away. It's going to make an impact. And that's what's been happening for generations, for decades, for centuries, between anti-Israelis of every political, every skin color ilk. They hate the Jews. And these people are committed to exterminating the Jewish people and the nation of Israel from the planet. They will not rest until they feel they can get that done. That's how evil it is over there. Well, we've got some more news about the Donald. And this news is coming from the Hunter, Hunter Biden. Oh my gosh, what could this possibly be about? Hunter Biden's legal team, guess what they've done? They're asking a federal court order subpoenas be issued for former President Donald Trump and other members of his administration. Hunter's folks are doing this. Hunter's lawyers argued in a court filing yesterday for the U.S. District Court for the District of Delaware to authorize subpoenas against Trump, former Attorney General Bill Barr, and two additional Department of Justice officials during the Trump administration. They want documents and communications related to investigating or prosecuting Hunter Biden. Here's a little bit of what uh, this motion has in it that's requesting this. Quote, Defendant Robert Hunter Biden, through his counsel, respectfully moves this court to enter an order directing that subpoenas be issued to the following individuals. And the document lists Trump, Barr, former Deputy Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen, former Principal Associate Deputy Attorney General Rich Donahoe. Barr and Rosen are cited in the court filing for their role in creating a channel for former U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Pennsylvania to get information related to Hunter and Ukraine. Brady's office received information from former Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani, a detail cited in the subpoena, and other allegations, Ukrainian oligarch Mikola Slochevsky bragged about bribing Joe and Hunter Biden. Well, if that's what needs to be discussed and warrants issuing a subpoena, I've heard all this stuff myself. They might as well just send me a subpoena, right? Brady worked with Donahue on vetting the information when Donahue was a U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York. Brady testified that to the House Judiciary Committee in October. That comes from a transcript reviewed by the Daily Caller. 
A confidential human source provided the Biden bribery allegations contained in that FBI FD Form 1023, Brady confirmed. Zlochevsky founded Ukrainian energy firm firm Burisma Holdings, a company that paid Hunter a million dollars a year to be a board member, according to bank records. That's fact. That's not conjecture. Hunter's legal team accuses Republican Kentucky Rep. James Comer, who's chairman of the House Oversight Committee, and also Republican Missouri Rep. Jason Smith, who's chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, of exerting outside pressure on DOJ prosecutors. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a funny mood today. Think about the irony of that. Hunter is going after the chairman of these two powerful committees that are charged to oversee looking into the connections and the probable, it's not possible anymore, it's probable foreign influence coming through Hunter and his positions and his relationships, and somehow they think they can stop that from going forward. Here's a quote. From that point forward, Republicans pushed for more severe charges against Mr. Biden from the now special counsel in an effort to make Biden's prosecution an election issue. Now, wait a minute. What they want the court to say (laughs) is that you can't include factual things (laughs) when you're you're campaigning for an election. (laughs) They want to make that You can't do it. According to this filing, that outside pressure they're going after culminated in special counsel Weiss's then-changing course and bringing this indictment on September 14th against Mr. Biden. It is clear no measure of charges against Biden will ever be enough to appease Chairman Comer and Smith and their MAGA allies. The court is going to hear Americans, just regular Americans, like you and me, if you supported Donald Trump in any way, you're automatically a MAGA ally. And in these court filings, they're using that title for anybody (laughs) that disagrees with anybody with the last name Biden. As anyone can readily tell, it continues, it's not just pressure from within the Trump-era executive branch that is a problem. It's also incessant, unrelenting outside interference from congressional Republicans and their allies in the prosecutorial process, they claim. The Biden family and its business associates received, documented now, more than $24 million from individuals and entities in Ukraine, Russia, China, Romania, Kazakhstan. That's according to the facts, the bank the information, the documents that have been collected. So what is this all about? For some reason, there is somebody on the other side, and I don't want to ever call an attorney an idiot. And you know why I think they're doing what they're doing? Two reasons and two reasons only. Number one, they want to be known as being the law firm 
for anybody in Washington, D.C. that's a Democrat and has any bad stuff in their rearview mirror or in their trunk. That's number one. Number two, they're going to make and are making a buttload full of money. Somebody's paying the bill. A really big bill. Put that in the context of we already know former President Donald Trump's legal bills on all of this charade of charges and allegations and investigations over $100 million in legal fees. And they're just getting started. At Miller Lite, we believe if you're not choosing a light beer with more taste, you need to man up, not man down. Because up is way better than down. You don't tell someone sad to cheer down. What's down, dog? A steamy pile. And you just stepped in it. Giddy down, cowboy? You must be settled on a blind three-legged jackass. Struggling to make down your mind? Let me help you. Yes, wear pants today. Looking for a down-and-coming neighborhood? Try cell block 4C. Great view with lots of bars nearby. Got a job at a start-down company? Let me guess. You slap buckets on a street corner. Getting pumped down for your big party? It's in a chat room and the only guest is Bernie, the 67-year-old retired clown. Oh, and your girlfriend's not wearing a push-down bra. It's called gravity, Isaac Nitwit. Can I be down front with you? All this down talk is bringing me down. So don't man down. Man up and choose a light beer with more taste. Triple Hops Brewed Miller Lite. Taste greatness. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great beer, great responsibility. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look at my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the Ring of Truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. For those of you that follow the show regularly, you you pretty much hear Mike Johnson, who is now the new Speaker of the House for Republicans in D.C. He was on our show usually once or twice a month for several years. The last time he was here, he was here live. We, we talked. I asked him some questions about the impeachment of, at that time we were talking about FBI Director for Chris Ray, Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, and of course the 900-pound gorilla in the room is Joe Biden. And so I asked him, what's the position of the Republican Party at this point in the House about impeaching any of these people? And he very quickly said, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but I'm I'm positive there's plenty of wrongdoing there, far, far more than enough to justify an impeachment process. But he said, we're only 
we being conservatives, Republicans, we're only one half, one half of one third of the government that is necessary to get in line to be able to follow through on a initial initial impeachment process of anybody. And he said, the other thing, Dan, look at it. If we impeach Joe Biden and he's removed by the Senate, they would have to try him if the House impeached him. They would then have to have a trial in the Senate, and the Senate's not going to remove Joe Biden from office. So he said it's like a dead end. And I asked him a second question. I said, if at some point hardcore facts show up that not only say it's probable that Joe Biden committed impeachable offenses, but did, where are you in that? And he said, man, I pray we get to that because there's plenty there that we see. It's just getting the hardcore evidence sufficient to get the commitment of those in the Senate that would be necessary to take action. Well, guess what happened last night? Mike Johnson stepped forward and he announced his full support for an impeachment into President Joe Biden, revealing that the investigation would be moving to the next steps in the process. Now remember, Kevin McCarthy, former speaker, he's the one that opened the impeachment inquiry, and Republicans in the House of Representatives set off in that direction on September 12th. The GOP only holds a slim majority, so they couldn't just go full-blown impeachment They got to go dig for some evidence. And when they formally announced it as an impeachment inquiry, that gave the House a little more power in the subpoena process to force people to come forward and get real information out of testimony. The goal was to investigate the possible involvement of President Biden in the business dealings of his son. And critics argue that would be an abuse of power in office if it happened and would be an unimpeachable offense. According to a report in The Hill, Johnson revealed in a statement that the three committee chairs overseeing the impeachment probe, those are James Comer, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Jason Smith of Missouri, had given him a November 15th update. Speaker Johnson says the impeachment investigation will now move to the next steps. Actually, what he said is this, quote, now the appropriate step is to place key witnesses under oath and question them under the penalty of perjury to fill gaps in the record. And Johnson said, I commend the good work of Chairman Comer, Jordan, and Smith as we move forward toward an inflection point in this critical investigation They have my full and unwavering support. We have so many moving parts in our government, so much corruption there. It's almost like, and it would be childish to compare it to this, but it's almost like eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You remember going through that when we were kids? It's like that's what we're doing now. What do we do? How can we take care of all of these numerous issues? Much of it illegality, and I'm not just talking about in the Biden stuff. I'm talking about across many desks, many offices of people in many real high-powered jobs. 
in the Biden administration? I don't have an answer for you. I don't. But we've got to find a way. People that are in the positions with the titles and with the power to push, push, push and force results. They need to commit to do whatever it takes to get the facts out so the American people can see what's going on. And either clear those that have been accused of egregious wrongdoing or push it all the way to the end to hold those who are guilty of corruption of any kind, hold them fully accountable, whatever that means and whatever it takes. When it quacks and waddles, it's a duck every time. And the corruption, the corruption quacking in this administration is getting louder and louder. And the American people need to say in mass, we've had enough. Let's bring this home and get to the facts and change whatever we need to change in our government. That means people. That means heads holding people accountable. Speaking about holding people accountable, I told you we had the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, Javier Becerra, DHH Secretary and Christopher Ray, FBI Director, in uh, Senate hearings yesterday and the day before. Mayorkas, he was being questioned by a female member of Congress, and she got in his grill about a lot of things. And she probably, in all of the questioning, all of the uh, investigations in committee, the hearings, all the times I've heard Mayorkas pontificate, just like Anthony Fauci did, Mayorkas couldn't get her to bend his weight. And I thought you needed to hear this. This administration and, and your department, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, issued a contract for a half a million dollars in September of 2001 for the purchase and installation of a wall around this president's beach house. Secretary Mayorkas, when you testified on March 29th before the Homeland Security Subcommittee regarding President's FY24 budget proposal for your department, there were 6,610 encounters at the southern border. On Monday, that number was 8,500, which is eight and a half times more than the 1,000 daily encounters that your former boss, Secretary Jay Johnson, said would constitute a crisis. I know on that day, on March 29th, you did not say that we had a crisis. My question for you is today, do you believe that we have a crisis before us? Senator, let me make this point that is very, very important because I've been asked, would I describe it as a disaster? Would I describe it as a crisis? I do not diminish the significance but, and the complexity yes. of the challenge. No, if I may, well, I do I not diminish. I only have five minutes and I only have three left. So is it a crisis? Diminish. Yes or not? I, I guess not, I'm going to move on. Secretary Bashara, do you think that we have a child care crisis, affordable child care crisis in this country? Uh, Senator, I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. That we okay. Have a That's what I thought. Okay. So, um, but this is an emergency, Secretary Mayorkas. It is an emergency, though. It is urgent that we receive the funding uh, okay. for our personnel. Well, 
and our tools to enhance the security of our border. I think we just need border. to use the words it's true. It's an emergency. That's what this administration said. They put it in an emergency supplemental request. So let's treat it as such. Moving on, you did have a record year, though, in other ways. Uh, you put more people on the non-detained docket than previous two administrations combined in the entirety of their terms in office. This administration had near low levels of removal um, and detention beds filled, and this administration set another record for encounters on the southwest border. And as my colleague from New Hampshire mentioned, there was a 500% increase in the northern border in a five-county area that impacts the area that she represents. When we talk about this, we don't need to manage the border, um, as it says in one of your requests here. Uh, we actually need to secure it. So in doing that, this administration um, has kind of had different positions, and I want to clarify it. Do you believe that a border wall is part of the answer? Yes or no? No. No. Okay, so I have a trouble reconciling that with your your um, the rule that you signed and issued on October 5th, where you said construction of physical barriers um, on the border of the United States would, uh, in, in fact, prevent unlawful in entries. Senator, so if I may explain, uh, the um, Congress mandated that we employ But you didn't wall. actually have to issue a rule. We could have done that. And one more thing, this administration and, and your department, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, issued a contract for a half a million dollars in September of 2001 for the purchase and installation of a wall around this president's beach house. So you'll do know walls work. You do know they're part of the solution. You do know they're part of creating security. But for whatever reason, you feel like the American people are beneath that. And I think that it, it is incredible incredibly frustrating. I only have a minute left, so I want to move to interior enforcement. When you're looking at the non-detained docket, um, you, I'm concerned about the growth of the number of people in the interior who are waiting years, if not decades, to have their cases heard before an immigration judge. So particularly if you look at this, the ICE officers, do they have, or do we have the number of officers needed? Do they have the support that they are needed in order to manage this caseload of 6.3 million individuals and rising? So um, now with 40 seconds left, do you, um, when we have... Let's see, the one million people that have, have had due process and need to be removed, um, do you believe that the ICE agents have, the ICE officers have what they need to be able to remove those? Um, Senator, as our supplemental reflects, we need more enforcement and removal operations officers. We need more support staff for them. Despite the constraint of inadequate resources, we have removed aggravated felons at a higher rate than the prior administration. We so, have interdicted. I only have fentanyl. 17 seconds left, but you, you've only requested 45 more ICE officers. And the truth is when you look at the 6,000 officers that we have and the 6.5 million people that are in the interior and the 1 million people that need to be removed, you're asking each of these agents to essentially, you've got to remove about 167 people if they were, we were going to remove all 1 million in a year. We've got to be serious about what we're requesting. Y'all requested this two years ago and either you aren't serious about it or my colleagues across the aisle didn't want to fund it because those 45 officers that you you requested did not make it into the omnibus bill. I am hopeful that we not only have the 45 that were requested, but we have much more. They have an important job to do, and we need to make sure they have the resources and the officers to do it. Thank you. Some of you, when you heard that, again, we hear, I give you back and forth in these committee hearings over and over and over again through the last few years 
I give you these interviews with Alejandro Mayorkas, and he's exposed again and again and again of lying, of breaking the law over and over again. Nothing gets done. Why does nothing get done? Because nobody in power over him wants him to stop doing what he's doing. In fact, it's all part of a master scheme. The only possible conclusion that anyone can come up with as the reason, the purpose, that Alejandro Marcus is doing what he's doing, he's not doing it because of him and his self and his own self-interest. He's doing it because there is a group of people, a large, probably larger than you and I will think there is, of people that want to create a permanent, a new permanent class of people in the nation that are never going to be allowed to be, you know, really involved as full-blown Americans fitting into the American dream. They're going to be considered, and they are already being considered, a lower class of American that are going to be worker bees. But more importantly, they're going to be obligated to the Democrats who got them in here. They want to get them legal status. Then they want to get them citizenship. And of course, when you become an American citizen, what comes with that? A right to vote. The Democrat Party, as we've known it through the early part of my life, the last 25, 30, 40 years, has always been the party of the working class. At least that's the way they've sold themselves. But in the last decade, they decided to do a flip and go to the top of the heap and be the ones that are controlling those below them in the pecking order and using that to create a permanent Democrat party that controls not just the government, but every aspect of my life and your life. Nobody can credibly argue that's not truth. I wish you would. I wish you'd take me on because if you've got evidence other than that that proves I'm wrong, I'd like to know it because I keep going back to the table over and over and over again, trying to come to find some legitimate reason for what they're doing. And even other then that one thought, what could they possibly be wanting to do other than that? More Mayorkas bad news. The House Homeland Security Committee, they replaced, uh, released a report a couple of days ago. They found that Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas's policies wasted taxpayer dollars to support illegal immigration. That's coming from a report that's out there circulating around our government. Mayorkas's policies could cost us taxpayers $451 billion, according to this report. And it cites data from the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS. Some of the major costs the committee point to are in the healthcare sector, law enforcement, education, welfare, housing, care of unaccompanied children, transportation, and even damage to private property. Republican Georgia Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene filed an impeachment resolution on Thursday, last Thursday, for high crimes and misdemeanors in connection with his handling of these illegal immigration people and the process in the U.S. Here's an example. 
total Medicaid costs for, quote, emergency services for undocumented aliens in fiscal year 2021, more than $7 billion, while also exceeding $5.4 billion in fiscal year 2022. It is morally unacceptable that American taxpayer dollars should be funneled to those who violate our laws and demand expansive taxpayer-funded benefits like education, health care, housing, and more. Many of these individuals will likely represent a drain on American society for the remainder of their days in the U.S., constantly, constantly absorbing more benefits from the state than they ever contribute to say nothing of the fact that they have no lawful basis to even be here to begin with. That comes from the same report from that agency in the Biden administration. A vote on Green's resolution will occur within two legislative days of introduction. That's exactly what happened last week, and it was tabled. Mayorkas's policies have enabled the mass waste and abuse of taxpayer resources his policies and actions have encouraged millions to cross our border illegally. His department has released millions of illegals into the U.S. rather than detaining and or removing them, which are required by law. By law. That's the thing that just stays under my skin. I cannot reconcile anybody in government without any sorrow or even thought about it, no guilt feeling whatsoever, day after day after day, killing people. Maybe not pulling a trigger on a gun, but pulling the trigger on the process to put in place to codify that doing that, whatever it takes, whatever you want to do. If you pay the piper, you can do whatever you want to do. I can't understand any people in any country that are supposed to be the arbiters of what's right and what's not right according to the laws that those they sent to their capital to represent the people and pass those laws, how anybody could think it's okay for Alejandro Mayorkas or any other person in the government to purposely day after day flood illegally aliens into our nation and think it's okay for their doing so, forcing us to pay hundreds of billions of dollars, how that can be tolerated in any way. I'll never understand it. If I die tomorrow, that will be what I go to my grave with that says this nation is falling apart at the seams because of the hesitance and now the absolute obstinance to people in our government that are supposed to do it, they ignore the rule of law and they don't care who pays the price or gets hurt. Alejandro Mayorkas is chief among those people. He has no problem doing what he's doing and somehow he reconciles that in his heart and his psyche. At least if he doesn't have it reconciled, he's a really good actor 
because he, he makes it appear every time he's questioned and pushed up against the wall about all of his illegal activities with impunity. He tries to turn the, ta- the, the, the tide in every such question and answer period and make the questioner look like they're stupid. They have no hearts for these people. But we're watching the destruction of a nation being perpetrated by leaders in government every day. For this American, enough's enough. We've got to stop it. Now, we're a week away from Thanksgiving, right? What do we always turn our attention to during the Thanksgiving season? Two things, really. Of course, we talk about getting together with family and friends, eating a big meal, turkey, pumpkin pie, all the good stuff that goes with it. But there are two things we are always conscious of in the run-up week, 10 days, and during the week of Thanksgiving. Two things, travel and weather. And pretty much those two go hand in hand because this is one of every year, if not the heaviest traveled uh, time period in the United States, one of the top two or three. So weather plays into it, and of course that plays in to the travel stuff as well. I never do this. But I'm watching this week especially because playoff football games in South Louisiana that are happening tomorrow night and Saturday, and that impacts us. We're going down to New Orleans, one of my favorite places on the planet, and uh, we're going to a high school football playoff game. But in doing so, checking it out, I came across a weather report that extends out And there's some really long-time-never-happened weather incidents that are coming next week across the nation. And I thought you ought to hear this for yourself. We've got another week or so of mostly quiet weather to enjoy here in the U.S. But around Thanksgiving, things are going to change dramatically. Countless disturbances in the jet stream are on the way, and they will cause a huge weather pattern shift that will bring severe weather and snow. In this video, I'm going to tell you exactly how that's going to affect you. Starting off with the short-term forecast, which once again is mostly quiet. This weekend looks to feature seasonal temperatures and just a little bit of rain down here in the southeast and maybe some snow up in the higher elevation of the Pacific Northwest. But as we go into next week, the calm before the storm gets a little bit more obvious as something like a fall heat wave starts to develop across the Rockies and the Northern Plains. On Tuesday, it's going to be way up into the upper 60s and 70s from Texas all the way up through Canada. And this warmth is at least going to spread across a little bit more than half of the U.S. as we head towards the middle and latter part of next week. But of course, not everyone can have fun in the sun. For example, several little bursts of cooler air will be pushing their way through the northeastern parts of the country, keeping the temperatures down a bit. In fact, for the majority of the next two weeks, much of New England will struggle to get out of the 20s and the 30s. And then right at the beginning of the week of Thanksgiving, we're going to see one final push of warm air into the eastern part of the country. As you can see, a huge area of cold air is going to be building in the 
west ready to push all that warmth out of the way. And this will be the start of what will become our very active pattern. But why is this happening? What exactly is changing? You see, for the past week or so, and for the next little bit, the jet stream has been and will continue to move pretty much in a straight line from west to east across the majority of the country. This is what we call zonal flow. This zonal flow pushes any and all energy that could fuel storms out to sea very quickly before anything can happen. There's no sharp dips or ridges in the jet stream that allows for the mixing that needs to happen for a big storm to form. But watch what happens as we go towards the end of next week. There's a kink in the jet stream. These kinks or little dips in the jet stream form because the atmosphere really wants to balance temperatures around the globe from the equator to the poles. And it actually slows down the flow enough to where all this energy has time to compile and organize into a storm. So they deliver cold air from the north and lift up as much warm air as possible from the south. This particular trough is going to bring about some unsettled weather for the east coast, which we will talk about here in a moment. But look, an even bigger one is coming in right after that. This dip in the jet stream or trough is going to allow an extreme amount of cold air to sink in behind it and much warmer air to pull up in front of it. You've got 30 to 40 degrees below average temperatures in the northwest and a giant area of 30 degree above average temperatures in the central U.S. This is a crazy huge temperature gradient and of course where those air masses meet, a fight will ensue in the atmosphere that will lead to low pressure systems forming. This will be a catalyst for some potentially very strong storms to tear across the country. And unfortunately, this is all going to start right around the busiest travel season of the year, Thanksgiving week. And these are the kinds of storms that could potentially cause travel delays and poor road conditions. So myself and everybody else in the weather community is going to be watching this like a hawk as we go forward. And speaking of Thanksgiving, you know what I'm thankful for? Today's sponsor, Electric E-Bikes. They are having a huge Black Friday sale right now through the end of November. Myself and the whole team here at the Weather House has been obsessed with these things ever since we got them a few months ago. I've always wanted to ride a bike, but here in Eastern Kentucky, it's really hard to do that because around every corner, you've got a hundred foot elevation change. And the electric motor on the electric e-bike allows you to ride long distances through challenging terrain with ease. And the amount of help that you get from the motor is adjustable. So you can still build endurance and gain strength just like on a regular bike, but at your own pace. I think this would be a great Christmas gift for yourself and just about anyone else. Even if you are a veteran biker, this thing. I apologize for the commercial there at the end of that. I obviously wanted you to hear about this uh, crazy weather stuff that we're looking at. I mean, it doesn't matter, according to what you just heard, what part of the nation you live in, you're going to get some unexpected, sometimes nasty stuff Thanksgiving week, especially at the end of the week. So why am I telling you this? I know a lot of people get excited and make their plans. Many people are waiting later now to make plans for travel and during the Thanksgiving and even the Christmas, New Year's holidays. So check things out, not just where you live weather-wise, but check out where you're going. And also, more so now than ever, we need to be mindful of the air, airline, travel, and the issues that can happen, much of which happen, not so much for weather now, but for a host of reasons. Flights are canceled, massive delays, and when you have delays and you're on a multi-tiered trip somewhere, delay in one city turns into delays in two or three or four other cities and can impact you. There is nothing worse 
than getting hung in an airport terminal, especially during the holidays. Many years ago, I was in Colorado, went up the day after Christmas, spent a week up there coming home the day after New Year's Eve, which would be the first day of the year. Coming out of Denver, we got to Denver, and while we were there getting ready to board our flight, they shut down the airport. Snow was piled up high everywhere, no buses, no taxis, nobody was moving. And so I spent the night in the Denver airport, and I wasn't the only one there. Barbara Streisand and her family, they spent the night huddled over in a corner about 25 yards from where me and a couple of other people that were up there with me spent the night. It's really not a good situation. So just be just be mindful of what's going on weather-wise over the next week to 10 days. Now, I'm not going to forget, I told you I was going to give you the names and the information about the people that are really reaching in deep in their pockets and funding much of, if not all, of this mass chaos, this so-called pro-Palestinian civilian support against the Israelis and against Israel. We're going to take a break, and on the other side of this, I'll give you who's doing what. Get set for it. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. On this! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here are the smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh... Jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? 
the phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. So we always have big time money people that get into politics and people many times, and it's sad that it happens this way, but many times these people get, just because they've got some money, they get the idea that they have the right and of course they have the financial ability. So they go ahead and they start funding and supporting things that they think more people think the way that they think about these things just because they have a lot of money and power. And so they justify it there. This is playing into really big time what's happening in this pro-Israel, pro-Palestinian back and forth that's going on, not just in Israel, but around the world. The free press reporter Francesca Block talks about some of this, and in the conversation, she revealed some information about a multimillionaire tech mogul and his wife. They are bankrolling groups behind pro-Palestinian protests that have occurred in the wake of the October 7th attacks by Hamas on Israel. Here's who they are. Neville Roy Singham, S-I-N-G-H-A-M. He's a U.S.-born entrepreneur. He made his millions after founding and selling an IT consulting firm called ThoughtWorks. And also in this with him is his wife, Jody Evans, the co-founder of left-wing anti-war group called Code Pink. And they are the primary funders of a group called the People's Forum. And they didn't just start this, folks. They started it in 2017. This group bills itself as a, and I'm going to quote their own materials, a movement incubator for working class and marginalized communities and nurtures the next generation of visionaries and organizers who believe that through collective action, a new world is possible. Now, learning what they say should scare the bejesus out of all of us. They believe that through collective action, a new world is possible. I don't know about you, but I don't think we need a new world. We just need to straighten up the one we're living in today. This forum, the People's Forum, has played a role in organizing a bunch of pro-Palestine protests since Hamas's attack October 7th, in which the terror group's members killed at least 1,200 Israelis. On the day of that attack, the group appeared to offer no condemnation of the terror group's actions. They called for an end to what they call U.S. aid to the Zionist occupation and tweeted images of posters that state, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. 
That's a slogan that's been criticized as being anti-Semitic, was cited in the House's censure of Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. And she went nuts, actually going on shows, crying, getting microphones in these these, uh, demonstrations, and telling people that's not anti-Semitism. The from the river to the sea does not mean the extermination of Israel. Only to see and hear the next day what you and I saw and heard, the president of Iran came on and it was the first time he's referenced or talked about the war going on between Hamas and Israel. And he said this, the only way this will ever end is with the extermination of Israel and every Jew from the face of the earth. And he ended that statement with this, from the river to the sea, and that's referencing the West Bank where the Jordan River runs along the edge of the West Bank all the way across to the west to the Mediterranean Sea. That's who these people are. This group also organized Shut It Down for Palestine protest November 4th to call for an end to U.S. support for Israel and another on November 9th. At the latter protest, activists entered the lobby of the New York City headquarters of asset management giant BlackRock, which the People's Forum claimed shut down the company's office. The People's Forum executive director, Manolo De Los Sar, criticized the March for Israel, which was held on Tuesday in Washington, calling it a pro-genocide march and saying in a post on X, This anti-Palestinian march, helped by the U.S. government, expects to gather a large crowd in support of 75 years of apartheid and occupation. He also accused speakers at the March for Israel of being racist and fake progressives. Another pro-Palestine protest organized by the People's Forum is scheduled for tomorrow, The Shut It Down for Palestine protest calls for walkouts, sit-ins, direct action, and marches directed at the political offices, businesses, and workplaces that fund, invest, and collaborate with Israeli genocide and occupation. Singham, that's the guy, the founder, and the People's Forum have also been accused of having links to Chinese propaganda outlets including Dongxing News, which the New York Times reported shares an address with the People's Forum. So what are people in D.C. saying about all this? Representative Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, he chairs the Select Committee on the Strategic Competition between the U.S. and Chinese Communist Party, told the Free Press, the Chinese Communist Party uses tools like Confucius Institute's on college campuses, TikTok's addictive algorithm, an organization like those that Mr. Singham funds to divide and weaken America. Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland calling for the Justice Department to investigate whether Singham and the groups he supports are violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act. It's known as FARA. Through their support of communist Chinese organizations. 
It appears that organizations tied to Neville Roy Singham, a U.S. citizen, have been receiving direction from the Communist China Party, Rubio wrote. Mr. Singham is the founder of ThoughtWorks, a Chicago-based software consultancy, and for many years promoted far-left causes. Mr. Singham reportedly created a dark money system that allows him to send funds to a number of far-left organizations. Among the groups Rubio requested the DOJ to investigate for far violations were the People's Forum, Dongxing News, and Code Pink. Now, I told you that George Soros is not the guy that was doing all of this. I know for a fact George Soros and his son, who's taken over much of his quote-unquote not-for-profit businesses, they are funding much of this. So put it in the context of this question. Have you wondered, as you've watched these protests play out, the only one that seems to be a groundswell, in other words, one that just came through the people and the people decided to get together, was the Israeli protest that happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Well, the day before yesterday. 290,000 people got together. No cops necessary, no violence, no nastiness. People were there with positive support for Israel. Flip the coin over and look at what's happening the other way. Where did all of these pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli people come from? Somebody had to put all that together. It's not grassroots. It's not something that just appeared because a bunch of people got together. 90%, I guarantee you, if you put 100 of these people that are working for ThoughtWorks or they're working for Dongxing News or Code Pink, those are the entities that Singham and his wife are funding. If you ask those people that are there, why are you here? They're going to come up with some contrived piece of information that somebody gave them as being a legitimate cause to uh, scream and holler against Israel. These people don't know what the heck's going on. They're bought and paid for. Look, just because people get involved in politics doesn't mean they know what they're doing. In fact, sadly... The people that are going out or doing these pro-Palestinian um, meetings or whatever you want to call them, they're basically riots because that's where they want them to turn into. The people that are involved in that, they're not there for their own volition, on their own volition. They're there because they're being paid to be there. And you put that in context, unfortunately, because this is the United States of America, our government can't go shut down. We have free speech in America. There's no law against somebody supporting somebody who wants to express their First Amendment rights in public. Yeah, the law says the First Amendment only guarantees the right to speak your mind and the term, this term, this word I'm going to give you is in the Constitution, the First Amendment. You have the right to demonstrate peaceably peaceably. You're not given the right to say anything at any time that is not peaceable. 
somehow, just like most politics, things get uh, misrepresented. And the mob rule mentality in cases like this, it takes over a lot of the time. And bad things happen to good people when these things happen. Very little good will come from it. Americans don't want to be a part of this, typically. There are some that do, and I get that. Everybody has that right to have a political perspective. But carrying it out and perpetrating violence is not a constitutional right. And anybody that tells you other than that is lying to you. We've got to get the facts. We've got to keep the facts. We've got to build the facts. We have to share the facts. We need to be making decisions and teaching others to do so this way. Find the truth and grab it. Facts and evidence is all you'll see and hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Duncan. America runs on Duncan. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say that. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. And these reports that I'm giving you about people spending a lot of money, their own money to ramp up hatred, don't get discouraged. Just go the other direction with your thinking. Let me give you a little seed for thought. One of the biggest, bitterest, and most expensive political battles of the 2024 election cycle, it's shown up. Now, it's probably not what you're thinking about. It's got a name, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, which is one of the most powerful, best-funded influence operations in D.C. They're planning to go all out to knock the fame squad. That's small group of highly visible, popular progressive legislators of color, most of them women, to kick them out of office. The most outspoken and unapologetically leftist contingent of the Democrat Party in national office the squad has been very vocal in its criticism of Israel's retaliatory assault on Gaza since October 7th. Members of the group have prominently pushed a ceasefire resolution in Congress, and it's now got a whopping 18 signatories. Nobody wants to sign on to it. Their positions on the issue are hardly radical, 
A recent Data for Progress poll found that 66% of Americans support a ceasefire, 80% of Democrats. But APAC has trained its attention on these members to make an example of them. And it has spent heavily against a few of them before. APAC wants to make the statement this cycle that nobody's safe from their wrath, that if you speak out, you can be targeted no matter how popular or how many cycles of incumbent you are. That's coming from Connor Farrell, president of the progressive fundraising group Left Rising, in a phone call. It's extremely audacious. There are now seven indisputable members of the squad, up from the original four that came about in 2018. AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, the originals. In 2020, the contingency of these members of color expanded with the election of Cori Bush and Jamal Bowman, then the first male member of the group. In the 2022 midterms, another member was added with the election of Summer Lee. Other young progressives who have since joined Congress might more accurately be referred to as squad adjacent, include Greg Cesar, Delia Ramirez, and Maxwell Frost. So, nobody's throwing in the towel. Thank God nobody's throwing in the towel. Folks, keep your head up. Keep your attention focused. Don't let fear change your life. We're going to get there together. Thanks for joining us today and every day. We look forward to Friday sharing it with you tomorrow. You guys have a great night. Be positive. We'll see you tomorrow morning. And has blood has ransomed people for all God. From every tribe and language, people, every nation. Where warriors have fallen, there's a resurrection coming. It's your time to rise and shine. Wake up, you sleeping giant. Those of injustice are being healed by the peace.